for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. It is today. What, what, what a great couple of weeks we've been having. Month, year. I, you know, as I look back, I just continue to see God doing something. And if you were here last week... Um, whether it was online, I talked to several people over this last week that were just commenting, Pastor Kevin, like there was just something so powerful and refreshing about the way that, that we experienced God last week. His, his anointing, his spirit was here and it was just overwhelming for some of us and, and it was very timely for almost all of us, right? And, and then the worship team ends with God turn it around today, like, I was like, okay, here we go. Like, we're going to just jump right into it. And so I'm excited. Look, we're going to start um, right in on the message today. And, and this morning, I want to speak to you from the perspective that how you start isn't always how you finish. Um, I, I was talking with Dick this morning, and, and he didn't know that this was in my notes, but we were talking about track, and, and he just went to a track meet yesterday, and, and I ran a little bit of track in high school. I think if Damien and I were in a race in high school, I would have smoked him because he was a soccer player, like, and Pastor Alex could probably beat him too. Like, I feel like Pastor Alex has wheels. I'm just playing, see, because I'm here and you're there. <clears throat> but in high school, man, I, I did run track, and uh, the first day, like I had never ran track before. It was my sophomore year of high school. And so I, I knew that I didn't want to run distance. Uh, I didn't want to do anything where I could trip and fall. So hurdles was out. Like I didn't know how those guys did that. And so like we, the coach was like, okay, we're just going to line up and, and sprint. And like, we're just going to race. It was a, a hundred meter dash. And I didn't even know like how far I was supposed to run. I just saw guys lining up about four at a time. And when the coach said, Marcus, I go like they ran. And so I'm just kind of waiting my turn. And so I get up there and, and so we're going to race. And so I was I'm like, all right, let's race, right? Because this is all I knew how to do to race. And like everybody else is like laying down almost on the ground. Like they look strange, except to everybody else. Like I look strange. And so they're looking at me like, this dude is weird. Look at this. Like I only knew one guy that was in my group. And so we race, the, the coach says, Mark, get set go and I'm still just kind of looking at everybody. So I didn't get off of the starting line very quickly at all. And I just ran, I ran as hard as I could. I tried to catch the guy in front of me and, and I just ran, ran, ran. And, and at the end of the race, like I found myself stride for stride with the guy who was leading. I was really excited. I finished the race and, and the guys that were like snickering at me and kind of giggling at me at first, like they were high-fiving me and I was like, what's going on? And they were like, dude, the guy that you were running with is our state champ pole vaulter. He's also the starting running back of our football team. Like, dude, you're fast. And I was like, no, I'm not, but cool. Like I was really excited, but all, all to, to let you understand this morning that how you start isn't always how you finish. And so I came to encourage someone this morning, how you started isn't necessarily how you'll finish. See, some of you have started your, your journey with Jesus and, and you were running strong. You loved Jesus. Everybody knew it. And then you made a couple of mistakes. 
You stumbled, you, you, you fell backwards into sin, you, you made some, some wrong choices. And I'm here to tell you that how you started isn't, doesn't have to be how you finished. There are others of you that came in this morning and you were just hoping that no one asked you how you've been or where you've been. Because you don't want to have to answer that question. You don't want to have to lie either. And I want to encourage you this morning that how you started doesn't necessarily have to be the way that you finish. There are some of you who came in this morning that you thought, man, I, I don't even know if I have enough strength to make it this week. Like hopefully today changes something for me. Like you're just hoping to make it through. And I'm here to encourage you this morning that how you came in isn't how you have to leave today. Today could be the day that God refreshes you, that while you're sitting here, he speaks a word and it reconfirms all the that you hoped was true. You hear his promise once again. Today could be the day that passion is reignited inside of you, that what you felt like was dead, the, the, the things that were dormant that you thought, man, maybe God forgot about this portion of my life, that today could be the day that that comes alive again. Today could be the day that what you feel like is impossible for you, that what you've been told is impossible for you or your family. Today could be the day that you walk out knowing that God did the impossible for you because how you start isn't always how you'll finish. Let's pray. Jesus, we welcome you into this place. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts that as we spend time in your presence and in your word that you would speak to us clearly. Lord, I pray that your word opens our eyes, it opens our hearts, and, and you are able to say something very specific to each and every one of us today. God, let your word challenge us. Let it change us. Let, us, let it confront where we're at and lead us to where we need to go. And God, I thank you that I get to stand in this pulpit, sharing your word with your people. Help me to do it clearly and confidently. And Lord, I, I ask that you would anoint this time, anoint me as I communicate, that they would hear your heart, maybe not even my words. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 9. John chapter 9, we're going to start right there in the first verse. We're going to stay in this chapter um, the whole time today. And, and I would encourage you that um, maybe this week is a week that you go back and you read John chapter 9 because I'm not going to read every verse. We're going to kind of hit some points throughout it. But you're going to want to make sure and go back and reread it so that what I've said makes sense and it's actually what you're reading, all right? So don't just take anybody's word for it. Make sure you're doing some reading and some praying about what's going on on your own. John chapter nine, verse one, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming when no one can work, but while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. 
The first thing that I want you to see in this story and, and one thing that we need to know and, and get really rooted down in our hearts that there are gonna come times in our lives when we need to take a better look. We need to take a better look. Write that down in your notes, elbow your neighbor and tell them to take a better look. Because do you see how the story just began to unfold? The disciples probably thought that they were headed somewhere but Jesus was actually headed to someone. And how this story starts should encourage some of you this morning because you might feel like this man. You might feel like you're alone and you're in the dark and you can't see your way out of it. I wanna tell you this morning that Jesus is looking for you. He sees you, he's on his way right to you to bring hope and the light that he is carrying with him. And that's just the very beginning. Take a better look. See, the disciples and Jesus were both in the same place, but they saw two different things. The disciples, they saw a point of discussion, and Jesus saw a person. And what's wild is as this story unfolds, we're going to see more that this wasn't even a discussion about sin. Like There wasn't a question that sin was present. It was who's responsible for this? Who sinned? Where was the sin at? Who do we get to blame for this man's condition? And, and before we're like, yeah, let's get into who's responsible. We need to be very careful here. And I'm excited and, and I'm, I'm really excited to tell you that we don't live under this law, that the sin that you've done, the mistakes that you've made, God isn't punishing you for those. Can you imagine? You see, we only project that onto other people. We never take that onto ourselves. Can you imagine if God began to punish you for the sins that you committed? Oh my gosh, you better be thankful that there is this word called grace and it showed up in the form of Jesus. Take a better look. We have to begin to see people and not just point out sin. No one was ever won to Jesus by arguing them into the kingdom and pointing out how bad they are and how horrible they are. And no one was ever brought into the kingdom by talking about them like they weren't standing in front of them. I can't imagine what this blind man must have been thinking, sitting there, hearing them talk about him as if he's not present. But, you know, it goes to show that sometimes it's way easier to talk about people and their problems than it is to talk to people about their problems. Well, pastor, I'm just trying to get a better understanding of how God works and how sin works and disciple and, and discipline shows up in our life. I, I get that. And, and it's good to want to understand all of these, but you can't let your pursuit of understanding those make you outpace the understanding that we all need grace. And if we begin to dismiss people because of their situations, really what we are doing is dismissing people. Because if it was their fault, if they deserved it, if they brought this all on themselves. And you see how my head worked when, when I said that? Some of you guys don't notice that that's how your head works when, when you're talking about people. I can tell. I don't even have to hear the conversation. It's either, hold up, I'm grown, or we're talking about people. Hold on, I can get back to my notes. Ugh. But that's it. We, we get so it, it, it's so easy for us to just fall into this trap of talking about people and talking about their sin and, and feeling OK doing it because they did it to themselves. The problem here is if we don't take a better look, we run the risk of this story having more blind people than just the guy sitting there. 
And again, like, man, take a better look at the blind man. None of us in this room can imagine what life is like for him. Do me a favor, close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes. Keep them closed. Keep them closed until we dismiss service. Yep. Some of you are going to be like, challenge accepted. Others of you are like, pastor, you don't know who I'm sitting next to. I am not keeping my eyes closed. See, and we joke about that, but this, this was real life for him. He didn't know who was next to him. He didn't know if he could trust him. He can't see. You know, if, if you keep your eyes closed the rest of the time, some of you can imagine me looking at what I look like right now, walking back and forth across the stage. You can picture it even though you can't see it. This is a guy who couldn't even imagine what people look like because he never got a chance to see them. He, can't, he, he only knows what their voices sound like. He never knew and can't imagine what his parents look like. The people who love him the most, who, who provided for him and helped, he can't see them at all. He doesn't even know what he looks like. There is no day and night for him. There's only night. He's never seen the sun or, or experienced what it's like to have a full moon at night. He's only experienced the dark. He's only ever got to feel the warmth of the sun, but never experienced the light from the sun. His life was a constant struggle. Can you imagine that every time you wanted to go somewhere, you had to ask someone to lead you there? Can you think about some of us as we get a little bit older in age, the concern of falling now is different than when we were 10 or 11. Can you imagine every time you fell, you had to be nervous about where you were going to land because you can't protect yourself. He wouldn't know if he's stepping off of the platform here or if there was a step down here to step on. And if he falls, how would you know to where to protect yourself? How could you keep yourself from injuring yourself when you, all of these, we can't even imagine what life was like for him. It had to have been so frustrating. It had to have been such a struggle. But the beauty in this is that tragedies and struggles in life can be the perfect backdrop for God's strength and triumph to show up. But sometimes we never make it there because we get hung up on the cause. Why is all of this going on? And we miss out on the purpose. Don't forget from Easter Sunday, circumstances aren't as important as you think they are. It's the conclusions that you draw that are more important to different people. Seeing the man's situation, someone was hung up on the why and Jesus was hung up on watch this. Verse six. Then Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Now Siloam means sent. And so the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as the blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others said, nah, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. We see an incredible healing happening right here. And, and I don't want to gloss over the gross part that we just read that no one said ew at. That's how I know this guy was for real blind. Because if he saw what Jesus was doing, he'd be like, man, I'm good. I'm good. Who's going to let somebody make mud pies from their spit and wipe them on their face? You know what? I think I like being blind. I don't want your spit on my face. I don't care who you are. 
Most of us would have that attitude, right? But, but I want you to see this from maybe a different perspective. Like that, you know, for me is a, a funny thing to point out. But I wonder, I wonder if when Jesus was kneeling down in the dust, if it brought back moments from Genesis chapter 2. If as he was making this mud pie, he thought, man, I remember forming Adam. I remember shaping the clay. And I wonder if we miss it, maybe they weren't really mud pies. Maybe Jesus was making brand new eyes that he was putting onto his face. And then he tells him, hey, go, go and wash. And that leads me to, to the second point. Not only do we need to take a better look, but now it's time to take a chance. Because Jesus says, hey, go and wash. Uh, Jesus don't know if you knew this or not. I cannot see where am I supposed to go and wash. I don't, I don't know where I'm supposed to go and wash. I can't see where to go and wash. I don't know how the guy ended up at the pool. He, he tells him to go and wash at the pool of Siloam. And, and when you begin to look at the map of maybe where Jesus was and where this pool was, it wasn't like he sent him from row one to row three. He had to make a little bit of a journey. And man, well, I wonder, like, did he find someone to help him out? Did he just say, you know what, I'm going to make my way there no matter how I have to. Did, did he crawl on the ground? Did, did people move out of the way because they heard what Jesus said? I don't know how it worked, but no matter what the process was, he, he was going to walk it out. He, he didn't care what Jesus had asked him to do. He just knew that something was up and I was going to get there no matter how hard it was. And, and so I want to encourage some of you today, like you've heard Jesus say, go and wash. And what he's asked you to do, is seems very frustrating. It seems like it doesn't make any sense. It's illogical for your brain. Like things need to add up. Checklists need to be followed. And Jesus isn't following that pattern. And you're frustrated and you feel like this is dumb. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to go and wash. He should know that that's really hard for me to go and do this thing that he's asking me to do right now. But man, who cares what he's asking you to do if it leads to you seeing? Like if, if he's offering you a chance for something different in your life and you would do whatever it takes on your own, like why not just follow the process? Why not just do what's possible and watch God do the impossible? Stop making excuses and make a move this morning. We, we all... We, we're packed ready with excuses on why we can't do what God has asked us to do one step at a time. Well, I'm not sure what's step number four. I need to know step 10 before I make step one. What if I fail? What if I fall? What if I can't do? Doesn't he know? Man, stop making excuses and begin to make moves because steps of faith lead to the miraculous. Notice in this story that the miracle only happened after he was obedient. Some of you have yet to see what God is desiring to produce in your life because you've stopped walking. If you do not walk out the process, you will not receive what God intended to give you. Because oftentimes the process is where the promise is fulfilled. He went, he came back seeing. So what has God asked you to walk out? that you haven't done yet? Where has he asked you to move? What has he said to go and walk? And you're just like, nah, I'm good. That doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to do that at all. Maybe um, you need to understand that 
God is just waiting for you to move before he does the impossible. He's waiting for you to do the possible right before he does the impossible. So do you need to make a phone call when we're done with church today? Do you need to send a text message to someone that God has asked you to reach out to? Do you you need to ask someone for help? Do you need to resign from, from your job? Do you need to take the job that's in front of you? Do you need to begin to ask someone for prayer? Is God trying to break your pride and, and get you to ask someone to stand with you? What is God asking you to do? Don't get caught up in how is this going to work? The how isn't important. Trust in the who that has asked you to take a step. And along this thought of taking a chance, I'm, I'm going to ask for Shante to come and join me on the, the platform with, with her family. I've asked uh, my mom and Britt and Mel if, if they can come up as well. Because this all kind of fits. We came to New Vision almost three years ago, Right. And, and when we got here, um, there were uh, a handful of us. Like, I wish I could have said, like, man, we came in with like a crew. Well, we came in with a small crew. And, and when, when Mel and I were talking with different people about um, coming here, uh, Tizzle was the first one to be like, I got it. I got it. Now, Shantae has about six different nicknames. Um, I'm going to try to get them all in while I'm talking about her um, right here. So... Um, but she jumped in with us from the get-go, and, and when we first got here, she handled graphics. Uh, the website that you see right now, when you go to newvisiongrandview.com, like, she pioneered this brand-new website for us. Like, she did so much. And, and over the last probably year, it's been, like, God has been doing some different things, like, stirring some stuff up, healing some things that have been hurt and broken and and kind of making you uncomfortable and and reigniting desires that you had kind of been like, nah, I'm good. I don't know if I really want, like, I know I want to go places and do things, but nah. Well, today is Shantae's last Sunday with us. She has, um, I know, right? (laughs) If, If we all make her feel bad, maybe it won't be. Um, but as, as Shantae's been looking around and, and praying and, and asking and having conversations, like God has opened up doors for her to move from Kansas City to Boston to live with her sister, to do some stuff. And, and, and we've, we've talked about some of the details. And, and I know, Tasha, we've talked about some. And we were in the hall when you were like, the apartment's crazy. Par- apartment hunting yep. in Boston was yep. nuts, right? Yep. And like they couldn't find any, couldn't find any. And like, man, we got to find something. And then what happens? Like something opens up, like God, God continue to show up and and show his presence. And as you've been faithful, he'll continue to do that. And, and I just, I I hate that, that you won't be around. Like my short jokes are going to have to go on somebody else for a while. (laughs) Nah, (laughs) nah, you're a little bit taller. Her poof makes it feel like, but, uh, me been an incredible part of, of the family, not just family here, but, but our family. Uh, you come over and hang out with, with Gams sometimes before you come and hang out with us now. And, um, and, and that's been a great part of, of what we've seen and how you've grown. And so um, 
this, this part of the message was, as, as we were thinking about things, I'm like, well, this is exactly where we're going to talk about Shantae because as God has asked you to do what's possible, I think that he will continue to show up and do the impossible. And um, we, we just have something to, you know, something small, nothing, nothing incredible, but something that's at least significant. And Mel wants to give you that this morning. Am I, oh, there we go. I'm on. Um, I'm not going to say a lot about this because um, I think that Jesus's words and his voice is a lot better and more powerful and stronger than mine. But a couple of things I want to say. What this is, if you can't see it, it's like a vintage uh, chess set in a jar with some instructions. Um, and the irony of this gift, if you know anything about Shantae, Shantae doesn't like to play games. Not like, like, don't play games with me kind of games, like, like literal, like board games and card games. And, and the crazy thing about our family is we love to play games. We, we bought a whole cabinet at our house just to store all the games so that when Shantae comes over, we can force her to play them with us because that's what we have to do. We have to force her to play them with us. And so as we were thinking about what we could give to her, it was, it was a lot of fun because that's the nature of our relationship with her is is, is, is it's fun. Like, you're so fun, and we have fun with you. And so we just thought we'd have some more fun. And of all the things we could give you, we're going to give you a game. <laughs> so this is a, it's an old chess set, and, and Kevin's been talking about a chance and taking a chance. And if you know anything about chess, if you've played chess, it, chess is the opposite of a game of chance. From the very beginning, the very first couple of moves, um, strategy is already taking place. But the really great thing about what you're doing is that the strategy that's unfolding and all the things that are, have been, be, the pieces that have been putting in place, it's not up to you. Like, you're not the one orchestrating this. You're not the one moving the pieces and putting them in place. And sometimes it feels like you are because you're making the trips and, have, you know, making the phone calls and visiting the apartments and looking for the jobs. But really, who's orchestrating this and the master of this whole, we'll call it a game, but it's not a game, this master of your life, this, the, the master strategist here is Jesus, and he is moving, and he's putting these pieces together in place, and, and what's going to happen from here on out, we can only begin to dream or imagine, but we know it's going to be incredible, and we're so honored that we've gotten to be a part of all of, of your life, and, and continuing to see how, not you, but how he is moving through you and putting these pieces together, and so as you see that, wherever you choose to put it in your apartment, hopefully it's not hiding it because you don't like to play games, but put it somewhere that you'll think about us and realize that you can take the pressure off because it's not, it's not chance. You're taking the chance, but the strategist is the one that's moving the pieces, and it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be incredible, and even from thousands of miles away, we're with you and watching you and, and just excited about what God's going to do. So we're honored that we're honored just to know you and just get to see all the things that are taking place as your life continues to unfold. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to pray over her. Extend your, your hand this way because as, as she goes, we go. And um, God isn't done. This is just a portion. And so we want to, to bless her and ask God to continue to move. So Jesus, um, we just stand with Shantae this morning, Lord, as she is doing what she feels like you have asked her to do. And as you continue to uh, iron out details that are yet to be figured out, and, and as you provide in only ways that you can, God, we'll keep our eyes 
up and our hearts open for that. And I pray that you would um, send moments and signs and words and songs at the right time uh, for Shante and even for Kayla, that they will know that this is right where you have them to be. God, guide them to a great place that they can have community and they can receive the word and they can grow as followers in you. And, and God, we just thank you. We thank you for her obedience that for all of the excuses and reasons of why not to, she chose to take a chance on what you're saying and respond in obedience. So God, we expect the miraculous to follow. And Lord, we will celebrate with her. We will be there with her. We will be praying for her. And if needs, we will show up and beat people up for her. So God, I pray that you would watch over her, provide, protect, be God. Be the God that she's grown to love and to follow, continue to grow and nurture that relationship. Let her continue to be the follower and the daughter that you've called her to be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're just going to go home now because... So I'm just going to encourage you, take a chance. Step out in faith and, and believe that, that God can do something miraculous when you do that. Can, can you imagine if you do that, if, if you walk away from the situation that you're in right now, if you do what God has asked you to do and you walk away blind, can you imagine what it would be like to come back seeing? Or if you walk away weak, what would it be like to walk back strong? Or if you walk away mourning and brokenhearted, what would it feel like to walk back rejoicing? Or if you walk away empty of strength, what would it be like to feel full of the power of God as you walk back? If you walk away defeated this morning, what would it feel like to walk back with a triumphant stride, knowing that the victory has already been won? Can you take a chance and believe that God can do something? See, your situation may look irreversible to other people. It may look impossible to other people, but never say never with God. He is the only person who can do what people think cannot be done or will not be done or should not be done. This is what God specializes in. And in this part of the story, it, it puzzles me that like in this moment, people are like, wait a minute. I don't think that's the guy. He kind of looks like the guy, but I'm not sure if he's really the guy. You know what should have happened? There should have been a celebration breakout. But instead of people cheering and being excited and celebrating, they began investigating what's going on. Was this really a miracle? I don't even believe this was a miracle. Was it this the really, I don't even think this is the guy. They began to do this over and over and it's so disappointing that in moments where God has done what people say cannot be done, the people around aren't celebrating. Don't be people that are stumped. What's going on? I'm not sure. Let's be people that celebrate. Let's be people that jump in with people and say, that's what God did for you? Man, if he can do that for you, I bet he could do something for me. Let's be people that celebrate, not people that need to take a better look because all you're doing is investigating. 
And as they begin to do this, they, the Pharisees are upset. And I love, I love how Jesus kind of does all of these things because not only did he make the mud pies, it was a Sabbath and it was against the law to mix clay together like this. So I feel like he was just stirring up stuff. Like that's just kind of how Jesus is because he came to disrupt the way that you thought that God should be and how God can work and the boxes and limits that we put on him. So he does this, right? Well, the Pharisees begin to investigate. They start calling witnesses and they talk to the man. They bring in his parents and the parents are afraid that they might get kicked out uh, of the synagogue. And so they're like, uh, we're pretty sure that's our son. Ask him yourself. He's of age. And they're, they want out. So they bring the man again one more time and they're pressing him. All right. We know that this guy ain't right. The guy who healed you, he's kind of shady. Why don't you just confess and we'll see what happens. Turn with me to, to verse 24 real quick. It says a second time they summoned the man who had been blind Give glory to God by telling the truth. They're saying like, hey, everything you said up until now has been a lie. Let's just repent of that right now. Give glory to God and say, hey, I've been lying. I'm going to tell the truth. I repent right now. That's really what this statement was all about. And they said, we know this man, talking about Jesus, we know this man is a sinner. The man replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Some of us this morning need to take back our story. We've allowed other people to tell, to tell us the narrative. We've allowed other people to qualify what works for God and what doesn't work for God. We need to take back our story. You see, Jesus did this miracle in front of a lot of people. And I believe that he did that to show that how you start isn't always how you finish. And I love this part of the story because you don't have to know everything. You don't have to have all of the answers to all of the questions. You don't even have to know how it all happened, but you and I can tell people and show people that, man, I don't really know how it happened, but this right here did happen. I was blind and now I see. One thing I know about God is that he may have done all of these, but he did do this right here. People can argue all day long about the validity of scripture. How the Bible was put together. Does God really exist? What about the big bang? What about evolution? We got millions of, what about all that stuff? People can argue and debate that stuff all day long, but no one can take away from you what God has done in you and through you. And experience beats arguments every day of the week. Take back your story. Your life is meant to be on display so that other people can see what God has done and believe that he can do that same kind of thing in you. So another question to ask yourself this morning is what's the one thing that God has done that you haven't told anyone about? What's that one miracle that you know is a miracle, but you've kind of explained it away. You kind of pushed it to the side. 
What is it that God has done that you could stand up in front of people and say, man, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't know the correct order of the books of the Bible. I don't know all the names of God. I don't know all of this stuff. But one thing I do know is when I went into my car and the wreck happened, I shouldn't have came out of the wreck, but I did. I was in it and then I was out of it and I'm whole and I'm here. Like we can say those kinds of things. What are the things that God has done for you that the people around you need to hear about? They need to see they need to know because the God that they've experienced maybe has never shown up like that maybe the people that have been talking about God to them have talked them out of the things that God can do and maybe just by you sharing your one thing it would show them that God is a God that can do the impossible and these may be the people who know who you were but they don't know who you are now they don't know how that one thing changed you they don't know how you used to be versus how you are now. And, and, and I wanna challenge you because I believe that Jesus does this in the way that he talks to the disciples of, of we're gonna look at people and not sin. I, I wonder if there are people in and around your life that God is calling you to even pray for because you are supposed to be a part of their story to help them to go and wash, but you've just been standing to the side pointing at the stuff in their life. I wonder if God will be speaking to you right now and say, hey, it's time to stop pointing and start praying for those people. It's time to start helping those people get to God because I've asked them to do something possible so that I can do something impossible in their world. And they need to see people around them celebrating with them and helping them get there and not just challenging everything and inspecting and investigating and calling out every time they mess up. Maybe God would be asking you to begin to pray for people around you instead of pointing at all of the things they're doing wrong. You know, the very end of this story as you get closer to the end of chapter nine, Jesus goes back and, and he finds the man again. And I find this very interesting. Then in the two encounters that this man has with Jesus, he didn't initiate either of them. That Jesus sought him out when he was blind and gave him spiritual he or physical healing. And then he seeks him out once again at the end to complete the circle because he didn't just come to heal him physically. He came to make him whole spiritually. It's why he showed up. Jesus himself said that, hey man, I came to bring good news to the poor, to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be free, that blind will see, that oppressed will be freed, and that the time of the Lord's favor is upon us. It's why he came. He came to heal not just one aspect, but every aspect of our lives if we will take him up on his offer. And he's offering all of us a chance at a new life, at, at something different, to change our story. He's offering you a, a unique glimpse to finish differently than how you started. It doesn't matter how quickly you moved out of the box or, or, or how, how much sin you've committed, he came to take your spot. He came to show you that you couldn't handle sin on your own, but he can handle it. And he takes our place on the cross so that we can take his place next to the Father. So that we can have a chance. We started far away from Christ. We started lost, but now we can be found. Now we can be part of the family. Now we can be in relationship with him. That's what he's offering this morning. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. prayers that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially 
at newvisiongrandview.com.